This is a news laundry podcast. Welcome to NL Hafta. The Panama Papers leak. I don't know how to pronounce it in Panamese. What's the language? <laughs> a group of Dalit boys. Panamanian. Panamanian. Uh, this Panamanian. <coughs> a group of Dalit boys stripped. Actually, two of them stripped and beaten up while nobody intervened. The alleged rape. Three. Okay. The alleged rape and killing of a Dalit girl in Rajasthan. Pratyusha Banerjee's suicide case. Rakhi Sawant's solution to curb suicides. Uh, and lots more to discuss, including Baba Ramdev's lopping off heads for not saying Bharat Mata Ki Jai. Welcome to News Laundry Hafta, Bharat Mata Ki Jai. Anyone wants to join me on that? Bharat Mata Ki Jai. Okay, fine. Thank you, Madhu. Uh, the rest defiantly just look at me. Welcome to News Laundry Hafta, episode 62. I'm Abhinandan Sekhri. Angrez apna lagan and News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nai chhodte. Remember, when corporations pay, Corporations are served and when individuals pay, individuals are served. So support independent media, subscribe to News Laundry. If you don't like us, subscribe to independent media of your choice and support independent media. Today we have with us Madhu Trehan. Hi Madhu. Hi. Anand. Hi. Manisha. Hello. Deepanjana. Hello. And our latest addition to the News Laundry team, Karuna John. Hi Namaste, Karuna. Namaste. Namaste. Bharat Mata ki jai. Adarsh. Karuna has just joined News Laundry as editor, collaborations at partnership. So any of you who want to collaborate or partner with us, her mobile number is <laughs> Karuna at newslaundry.com. Karuna at newslaundry.com. Previously, she's worked with Sada Haq, The Helka, India Today, Time Out, Union Express, DNA, Midday and the Pioneer. <gasps> Lumbi list. How but, old are you? Madhu asks the first question News Laundry. Karuna, what's your age? By the way. <laughs> no, she's worked in so many places. Mm. Uh, this reminds me of an Indian postdoctoral student, you know, first mm-hmm. time he went to America. The first two questions he asked his American supervisor, Sir, how old are you and how much do you earn? Wow. <laughs> 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 focus. Please, please don't ask me the second question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, also, I don't know why this sort of uh, uptightness about asking someone's age and answering your age. Yeah, I'm when somebody asks your age, mm. they're almost like apologetic or embarrassed or whatever. And if you ask somebody their age, it's like, I don't want to tell you, or you know, I don't want, it's like this. And they ask me like, I don't want to offend you, but you know. There's a reluctance yeah. to say, as if being old is bad. So, be, being old isn't bad, all you young people out there, uh, go to hell. <laughs> really, cool. this millennial, can I have a millennial rant for a second? Okay, we'll give you that also. This right. podcast is produced by Karthik Nijhavan. Thank you, Karthik. Uh, and this, uh, before this podcast, he gave some valuable inputs. One was, he said that we do a lot of talking over each other, so I will insist we don't do it this time, Karthik. And he also said that I speak very fast and I often eat up my words, so the joke I'm making is not actually heard. And I was wondering why people don't laugh. I thought that the joke was bad. Now I know it was very fast, so now I'll it was say, both. say my jokes in slow motion. And also the critique that we all are predictable. So, uh, but that we are because the, this is an exercise in transparency. So one day I can't be like you know, far right and far left. People know what we're going to say, which is fine as long and, as it's uh, clever. And also, we don't give enough time to other people. Manisha, Manisha, By me, you mean her fans? Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, let's start with Manisha. Manisha, what do you want to start with? The, Pan- the Panamanian leak. <laughs> you know, do you speak Panamese <laughs> or the violence or Baba Ramdev lopping off heads? Um, I think we could start with the story of the three Dalit boys who were thrashed and beaten up in Chittorgarh in Rajasthan, hmm. which uh, first played out as an incident of caste violence. 
uh, TOI reporter tweeted out saying that upper caste men beat three Dalit boys. Hmm. After which he deleted his tweet. And then an Indian Express reporter said that. Deleted the tweet or deleted the report? Was he it tweeted it out? Okay, it was and a report. No, it was. He just tweeted it out, and then everybody sort of followed it up. Um, and after which, an Indian Express reporter tweeted out saying uh, that two of the boys arrested were Dalit. So then it turned out to be that it isn't really. Uh, you can't really frame it as a, a caste violence, an incidence of caste violence. Um, oh, it's general violence. Then it's okay because you know there's India. But this, this, <laughs> but yeah, there's a debate on this. I think four. But there's a debate on this whether journalists, whether we should, whenever reporting on any crime, whether they should be identified by caste at all or not. Whether it's a rape victim, we say Dalit girl raped. Do we need to say that? That's a debate. Mm. I believe we should. I think in this stage in our. Uh, this growth as a democracy. Way, everyone has still not got it absolutely correct. We are putting a post out which we will, will be out. Have. Yes. By the time you hear this. By the time you hear this or by tomorrow latest which will which will Clarify. be far more. Yeah, because. Uh, Separate the wheat from the chaff. Yes, hopefully. Uh, but it raises, like Madhu said, it does raise very interesting questions for journalists because what, A, in terms of crime, just crime stories, what crime stories become important because mob violence is not new to Indian towns or cities. When does a story of mob violence become important? Uh, is it when the victims are Dalits or the victim is a woman or a Muslim and the majority mob is a Hindu or upper caste or, vice versa. or men? Uh, so, I mean, these are interesting questions to explore which we will tackle in the piece. But I do think that you should, uh, if the crime has got to do something with caste, it should be mentioned. And in most cases, it is. And I think you need to look at caste atrocity uh, I, from the point of view of the victim, so this may, these boys may not be Brahmins, but they may be dominant castes in the area. So it is still a crime, a caste-based discrimination. Could be, not yeah. is. You're well, not saying the thing it is, is it could that be, but um, my generation of journalists grew up with stories of uh, rape, sorry, rape and uh, abductions of lower caste women in in villages in rural areas where the Thakurs and the upper caste believed it was their right. And there was no question of even reporting it in such a way. One, there was very little reporting of such incidents. This is a recent phenomena if you look at it in a larger perspective. It's a recent phenomena. The mention of caste also is a recent phenomena. And I think we're going through a process where we do need to mention it because it highlights the fact that a certain caste of people think it's their, moral, it's their right to do this kind of thing and it's okay culturally. Mm -hmm. So until we reach a level where all kinds of people are doing all kinds of things. Right now, it's one caste, an upper caste. When, when there's that kind there. of social equality, then yes. I guess it's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, uh, right I'd now, like there to know isn't. So. Anand says, but before that, I just there's a difference in filing a report, saying what you're saying, and just tweeting it out. Uh, so yeah, just want yeah. to draw that distinction. No, yeah, I think that's I think a very important distinction. There were reports also. That's yeah. a very so important reports. distinction. So the report is a different thing. Tweet is a different thing. When you're tweeting it, you're highlighting a particular thing. When you're doing a, a full story, report. you put enough in it to balance it out. And also, tweet is not a journalistic report, yeah. unless it's you know tweeted out by this thing. Anand? Yeah, I think to come back to that just briefly was that I think the he was a reporter, hmm. and uh, Shoaib Khan. Yeah, Shoaib Khan, and what and he was from his official from his TOI, official whatever. yeah TOI handle, and his tweet was retweeted by I think majority of journalists. Hmm. 
and that is why it kind of gained a lot of traction you know so and then when he deleted it without explaining why he's done so no one understood what happened all the other retweets were like hollow you know because they were <laughs> saying, this is horrible and i click on it and there's nothing there yeah. so, so this was the exchange between barkha and anand yeah. when they're saying a tweet within a tweet and then she said what are you so, talking about he says no i'm talking about the one no, before let that. anand finish his point it's twisted mm. yeah no i was right but you know on on this question of um, whether we should actually uh, mention whether the victim is a dalit immediately at once uh, i am kind of non committal on that and because I, i take your point of view i think what you said was true has the crime been committed because the the victim was a dalit or has the crime been committed without the knowledge that the victim is a dalit i think that is a very But important how distinction how do you how does a journalist judge that unless they've gone and interviewed the perpetrator right so i mean the whole point is if you do not judge it then you're telling the cast but having said that i mean i i i pondered about this point yesterday and i went to the ncrb which is national crime records bureau data and it's very interesting because uh, what they do is that because of the uh, scs scsc uh, prevention of atrocities act any crime that is committed mm-hmm. against dalit yes. by a non dalit okay irrespective of the fact whether the crime was committed in the knowledge that the other person is dalit will be treated will as treated yes. as uh, under the thing so if a crime is committed by a dalit on a dalit mm. that doesn't come under prevention of atrocities act mm. so there were in 2014 there were 36735 rapes committed in india and the rapes against dalits where the ipc section 376 was applied without the scst POA prevention of atrocities was 154 the rapes against dalits where the ipc with the scst poa which means that you're telling that it dalit is mm-hmm. the victim were 2230 in 2013 there were five five dalit women were raped every day mm. for 2013 so i mean they the government the state itself makes this distinction so there are 36000 rapes that have been committed in 2014 in india we do not know Again, I mean, caste. you know, the cast of the and women. The ones that are Dalit, But you know. The state itself sure. says that 2,230 were done against Dalit. So, uh, the Panjana, your view, identify or not identify? Context, no context. Uh, context, I think, is critical. It has to be there. But uh, I do take the point that Manisha was saying that because there is such an embedded tradition of caste-based violence and an acceptance for it at a certain level as well. um there a lot of things that uh, a lot of crimes that sort of you know would not be recognized as caste based crimes in the past need to be identified today like but at a very basic level with these three boys isn't the basic point that three boys were thrashed mercilessly hmm. regardless of who did the thrashing as in the caste identity of the thrasher and the caste identity of the thrashy this is a horrific crime and it bothers me idealistically bothers me hugely that we need to have tags like dalit upper caste obc power dynamics to care about these basic violations mm. i i think there's something seriously wrong there and it it bothers me because if we're not able to look at how um how much of a violation these crimes are essentially then we are so we are light years away from a society where we can think of a caste less society where you're not going to be identified by who your parents were or where you were born or that sort of thing because we're not looking at the crime for its 
basic value. Karuna, uh, no, I think I think labeling. Uh, just before that, sure. like to tell the audience, uh, I've always wanted a very representative newsroom, and now we are two men and therefore women. So so much of wishes coming true. No, but the producer is <laughs> a man and the sound record is a man, so it's four and four. It's equal. Okay, fine. I I thought I'd start We're having to I'd start now, having so, yeah. to use bad language and adjust my trousers to establish our. Our territory, but Karuna, you are our first minority member of the Hafta. Okay. Because I'm an atheist, or because, okay. because I'm agnostic, at least you were born Christian. You're just but fat shaming, I think, right now. But okay, then moving no, but, on. But we wanted minority. Another, how we we wanted. Okay, she's an atheist, you just but ensured that I officially never get buried because I don't go to church. Or oh, oh. I said we must have representation from all communities, and we never have that on Hafta, and we are getting there. But she's killing it for us. स्टिक But now, if we say Dalit kill, we know it can lead to a certain uh, flow of events, you know, and you're alert to that. Same with rapes. Why do we want marital rape? A rape is a rape is a rape. But you want this classification also to record history. Same with road rage. Road rage is, uh, I think, registered under either a murder or an attempt or grievous injury, but it is never registered as road rage or a murder under racism. So, unfortunately, it's it's uh, a classification that will help. Learn lessons, and it will help document events correctly as they go by. Otherwise, it flows with the mass uh, recording of a murder or a rape or or beating up. It's also relevant to this hashtag, which I noticed today. I haven't been online that much, so uh, I'm not sure how long it's been around. Uh, but it's called "Don't Erase Our History," which has been yeah. uh, used by a lot of uh, Dalit uh, voices online. and um and that's a very very valid point as well that uh even if it is ugly even if it is violent and horrible it is our history and we can't erase it but manu when you said that in your generation they didn't identify why i mean why do you think it was because it was understood that this is how it is or i mean if you were to dissect no, it today no i think i think there was um a lack of awareness that this was happening to lower caste women perpetrated by a higher caste that there was a lack of awareness of that issue that part of the issue they were just reported as rapes so the even the women journalists you'd go into a village where say a rape took place or whatever it wasn't an issue at that time i'm not saying that the reasons and the casteism wasn't there of course it was far worse then but there was a general not talking about it attitude not that anyone was covering it up it was sheer lack of awareness of urban journalists not understanding the reality of realities of what's happening in the rural areas in terms of caste and because they didn't go there often enough i think transport had a lot to do with it. connectivity has a lot to do well, with well i'll tell you as far as i can remember more journalists went into rural reporting and did far better reports in rural areas uh, in the late 60s 70s and 80s than is ever done now I don't see that kind of reporting done yeah, either on television channels or in print. Nobody bothers to get off Google or just run and get a bite. Nobody does the kind of reports of actually going to a village, and you saw it on news track when yeah. you sent Mini Ved when a whole village was 
uh, massacred mm. and I sent her there to get that just get the story of this village being and in that period that I'm talking about I think the attention of those stories was uh, a little bit new for journalists you know because before that period it was Nehruvian journalism which was basically muckening mm. and just reporting five-year plans and, hmm. and going to press front conferences and taking a press release and reporting whatever they told you to report. There was none of the, there were no exposés. Hmm. And then there was this great awareness because also the gap between the underprivileged and privileged was so huge, so massive that even though it is there today, you can't imagine the depth of it, of living there, through that. There were two worlds really living parallel, it was so, unaware of each other. Like today Fair when enough. I dra go to a village, I'll see maybe barefoot children, but they are vaccinated, many of them. They are healthy. They are drinking milk. They have fat little legs with creases in their thighs. You never saw that. When we went, when we were reporting there, there were kids, the Oxfam baby, with pot bellies, the thread tied around them, and trachoma in their eyes, and worms. It was the worst. But I also so think that kind of reporting does not happen today. But I think it's also a TRP thing, because there's seven or eight TRP towns, and as long as those towns are watching your show, yeah. Your show is fine. Just to add just one small bit, India Today, yesterday, uh, yesterday night, tweeted that a Dalit woman, uh, a chain snatcher, was beaten up by the public. Showed a video. And within and a, a minute... Dalit woman, she uh, was a chain snatcher? Yeah. Okay. So, Dalit woman beaten for being a chain snatcher. Chain snatcher. And within a minute, they deleted that tweet and removed the Dalit part. So, woman. So. Because she's a chain snatcher there, it doesn't matter whether she's Dalit or not. Fair enough. Um, Let's but I mean in the same context. And between being victim and the perpetrator of the crime. So. Okay, let's move on to two subjects that kind of did get coverage. Karuna, why don't you start with this? Uh, what was the coverage like, you think? The protests at NIT, uh, in Jammu uh, yeah. and Kashmir. Fact, I spoke to someone Kashmir. who's still there today. And, and the NIA officer who was murdered. Uh, and th th all yeah. sorts of stories are coming with that. It was a property dispute, something. It was this, it was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, do you I think, think it was fair coverage? It wasn't, it wasn't at all. NIT eventually became coverage because the students actually started calling their families hmm. out. Uh, they're all almost outstation students from Panaras for... But you think it wasn't fair coverage earlier? It wasn't enough hmm. to begin with till you also see the visuals of students. Then that stirs something in other journalists also and in other levels also. Because it's a newish... People would have heard of NIT in Srinagar for the first time. There were many, you hmm. know, like, what is this place? And right. all these engineers coming out of it. So the coverage for me was late, but it happened eventually. It was not that it was missed, but I think once the visuals set in and were uh, on screen and on Twitter, people picked it up and the students had started making calls and they were from as far as UP and Madhya Pradesh, etc. And then the noise, noise got on. Right. For uh, the other case, I, hmm. the other case, uh, I mean, it's something that's really bizarre that the quietness around it, because even if it was a regular poverty, Why do you think that is? It is, I don't know why it's happened, because it was not like it, there was, uh, this was on Sunday and everybody was unfortunately watching the match. And right. it was, okay. it was more fun to do that or more important to do that. Even, I, I'm quite sure in newsrooms as well. Right. So this slipped for that day, but even if it's a property murder, it is 20 bullets, that's like, how many magazines is that? Pumped mm. into a guy at point blank range with children, it's, it's a huge story even without knowing what the angle is. It is like the Delhi rape story. You know, without knowing what it is, the horrific uh, nature of that crime. Do you think it got story, enough play, you know, both of them? I thought the NIT story got enough play. Hmm. I think it started developing yesterday morning, the story. Yeah, after and by today, there was it was on front pages. Yeah. 
So I think that got fair coverage. Mohammed Tanzil's uh, story, <clears throat> I don't think so, but I think that got buried because Panama Papers came out around the same day. At night, and the so match was on. So that yes, happened, and then sure. NIT took over, so it got it got sidelined for some reason. I was hoping for at least a profile or an understanding of what this. Yeah, it's very know, vague. There's no clarity. It was like a short wherever it was. No, and also uh, not enough that. Property, not property. What was the sensitivity yeah. of the case this guy was handling? How big yeah, exactly. was it? Yeah, exactly. I want to know. I want to know more details had. on that. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, fact uh, that he was liaison officer for the biggest yeah. uh, visit, exactly for the biggest investigation for Pathan yeah. court, that itself sort of triggered even a cub reporter off. You know, right? And I don't know why. What happened? Anand. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the NIT, I think the the whole thing started on 31st of March, I think, and uh, the quote unquote mild lati charge was the one that actually triggered <laughs> this whole news you but know news media to kind of rush there and mm. mhrd to be aware of the whole incident and everything listeners ko bata dijiye what was the mild charge reference Those yeah so the reference was i think the jnk police and uh, let me just say that the law and order comes under the state yeah. so bjp has no excuse mm. okay uh, so the jnk police entered the hostels and um, they beat up a lot of students and the videos came and they, uh, some of the thrashing was, I mean, beating was really merciless. Mm. And uh, I think what they were trying to do, the students were trying to collect. The JNK police said the mob was collecting 300, 400 students who wanted to uh, unfurl an Indian flag. I think that was the whole thing. And that kind of triggered the Lati charge. And after that, the media has kind of picked up the whole story because the MHRD sent its delegation there. Mm. But I saw a couple of videos of, you know, the students interacting and it was harrowing. Yeah. Because it's almost like, a, in fact, I, I did say what it's like a, the students. So there's about a thousand students, mm. non-local thousand students in like a, a huge, uh, you know, hall, like it mm. looks like an aerodrome. And you have the stage where, you know, this delegation is sitting there and the students are narrating I mean, I'm saying from their point of view, they're saying is that, sir, we have to shift NIT from here. Mm. It's been a terrible experience for us for the last 10, 15 years. And we get all these taunts and, you know, I was forced to say this and uh, the canteen wala was throwing stones at us and all, you know, all that sort of stuff. This is the non-Jammu and Kashmir students. This is the non-Jammu and Kashmir. So they were like kind of keeping their demands on the table. Right. You know, that NIT should be shifted, which hmm. which is a strange, strange demand. Obviously, it can't be. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, as a parent, if a parent was watching that, it would be very harrowing because, you know, what it tells you is that and uh, a lot of students have now started saying that, you know, the women students were getting rape threats from the local. Right. Whatever. The situation has really escalated. So I, I don't know what the... Nipanjana, what do you think? They got enough play, both the stories? Uh, definitely not the Tanzil Ahmed story. Hmm. Um, I think it's been hard to uh, cover it as well. I mean, we know from our attempts to cover it that you know no one is particularly forthcoming with the details, even of the things that he's done in the past, which are in public knowledge. Hmm. Suddenly, there doesn't seem to be that much eagerness to speak about him. Um, which is very sad, considering how much this man has actually done in his career. Mm. Uh, there was, I think in, uh, I've forgotten which website, but somewhere there was a piece uh, about his funeral and um, how there was no minister. No official representative. There was no yes, official I read that too. I think it was in the Express, if I'm yeah, not wrong. He's a serving officer. I mean, that's yeah. basic. Courtesy. I can't remember where it was, but, it, but it's a very fair point. He was an officer in service and mm. a very prestigious um, set of, uh, you know, missions that he'd handled and done very well with that. You'd expect a little more love from the state under the circumstances but uh, but like uh, Manisha Karuna everyone said that it really got I think it was just a bad 
timing thing in terms of news with when it came out. Um, as far as NIT is concerned, I have to say I'm not entirely clear about what is going on with it. Like it seems to me like there are genuine uh, anxieties and politicization all coming together and I'm, uh, I'm waiting for our authoritative report to come in, which I'm very happy to say will be coming in soon. Well done. Um, we have another report that you should watch out for. Indeed. We're, <laughs> we're all full of reports that you should be reading on news. And um, the one on the Taj, uh, not the Taj Express, what's it called? The Gatiman Express. We, we, have our own, we have our own superhero who went on the train. That'll be a train fantastic ride. report. Awesome. So. Madhu, the play on both these stories, what, what do you think? Fair, not fair? Um, on which one? The NIT and the Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, you know, and the what, in both these, uh, mm. the, I think what is striking me like a thread in my brain is that the reaction of authorities, people in government or people in power and how they respond to it. And that I think is what is um, excruciatingly frustrating because I find that it's almost like they behave like a script is written. No matter who's in power, no matter what the situation is, they behave in this, for example, in the Nirbhaya, Nirbhaya's thing, people were not protesting against the government initially, they were just protesting against what happened and please mm. get some action done. Authorities behave like the protest was against them yeah. and then it did become against them because they started lati charging and water cannoning them and all that. So it's almost like the authorities step into it even though they don't need to, same with Gharwapsi, you know. The woman, uh, Nainthara Segal, was protesting to the academy, not to the BJP. Why did the BJP step in, become again the, the authority? So I think we need more, the authorities in every situation need to deal with things with a little more imagination, with a little more stepping out of the stereotypical role. Okay, this happened in JNU, go and talk to them. And don't make same in Srinagar, same in all these situations. Then why is communication such a difficult thing? Why do you have to just send the soldiers, send the police, send... It's immediately you become, you're in power and you fall into that role. I find it really like, how many people are brainwashed? And just, just commenting on it, why don't you just leave that to the hafta, you know? Like, <laughs> you, you guys just do your work. But I, one thing that struck me with the Jammu and Kashmir story, um, the NIT story, and I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, but the very obvious inconsistency in when an anchor or a bunch of people take a position uh, which they show as rational and it is but the exact same juxtaposition is not rational in another context and that is where biases show and yeah. it is inevitable so that's when people say that I have no bias, I have no this thing it's an uh, in indefensible position and the example I want to give is on Arnab's show he was talking about the way these kids were bashed up now, you know, some woman who obviously is not BJP from Kashmir, she's uh, probably would be borderline, not wanted to be part of India. Says, Shabnam? Uh, yeah, Shabnam loan. And she was saying that, Smriti Rani was saying na, that we will put the tricolor area, yaha aake karo, yaha aake. she was taunting, kyunki aake nahi kar sakte aap. So she was just taunting, she had nothing to do with, he's saying we are talking about the guys getting beaten up, yeah. forget why they've got beaten up. Should the police be beating up? The yeah. same man was saying, when someone was saying, talk about this boy, JNU boy getting beaten up. Yeah. Says, no, no, no. See the context he was beaten up. And he said this. So sometimes you want to see the context. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to see the act. And the way everyone comments on that, I think that demonstrates it's not about the act. It's about what you want to, the spin you want to give it to push your agenda. Because so if it's just about the act, yeah. what happened with young, uh, what's his name? Uh, che Guevara. Kanaya. 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 
is as good or bad as what happened there. But did Arnab really say that? Uh, look at the context of no, no, Kamiya uh, was beaten. No, he didn't say. But he said that when this bashing up happened before the you know sting came out, when anyone on this panel said, "How can?" He says, "No, no, no. In India, should you be chanting the slogan? In India, should you be chanting that slogan?" And not just him. Enough people. Yeah. The no one was isolating what the happened. The fact that police yeah. went in and, and bashed the hell. But I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued by how uh, student bodies have become more and more active, volatile, and these sort of you know um, volcanic spaces in the last few years. Uh, I think I don't know. WhatsApp, internet. And in some, some places, extent. it's not and everywhere. So no, but it's a pretty interesting spread because if you if you look at. I'm not saying that it's one movement that's uh, uniting all of them, but uh, whether it's because of internet connectivity or just like a growing, festering sense of frustration and not being able to do stuff, I don't know what it is. But you know, things, campuses are like tinderboxes right yeah. now. Whether you look in uh, places like Calcutta, stuff that's happened with um, TMC workers slash. Uh, party people entering places like Jadavpur and Presidency, whether you look at Pune, uh, FTII, over here, of course, like the issue. That's the different. only person who is on a campus out of all of us. Anand. <laughs> no, you are absolutely right. I think it's to do with uh, a lot. A majority of it is to do with the fact that our mainstream political parties are propping up these student wings, and they are the so in JNU, for example, you have this AISF and. Uh, SFI and NSUI and ABVP. I'm not so sure about the NIT. I don't think they have these student not yet. Uh, that's parties. What, that's exactly. So I'm not. Uh, I think it was maybe just spontaneous eruption of Correct. whatever it was. Yeah. There isn't. But JNU and in Hyderabad Central University yeah. and in Jadavpur. I mean, you have these, you know, institutionalized backing. Yeah. And I mean, in DU, all of us know uh, that you know ABVP, for example. All uh, of us come up to Stevens with him. But in technical institutes, it's a little different uh, also season, right? So even for NIT Srinagar, placement seasons have, have either opened up or just... So the student told me that, so now we don't know if we have those freaking jobs because placement to ho big nice packets and nice salaries. But because of this violence and the actions that have happened, technical institutes suffer, I think, a little worse. Probably, even at Ames when the anti-reservation was on, we all remember that doctor and the water cannon yes. kind of yeah. a thing. So where is she? Now? Although where I, did I she disagree get? a little with Deepanjana, I don't think they've become more violent. We just see them more on TV. We see them more. Uh, yeah, it's the TRP uh, I mean, as well. The, how violent colleges were when I was in college, DU. I mean, now guns aren't pulled out, knives aren't pulled out. In my time, now guns and knives be pulled yeah. out like. Tell me, is it not a lot more peaceful today? We just see it on TV, so we think. No, it's a different. I think it's different. I think in, at that time it wasn't political violence, it wasn't polit group violence, it was individual gangs fighting. Group Guys used to, when the Jats and Biharis fought, the entire Hindu and the Ramjas hostel would come from Chandrawal, Jats would come, hall, yeah. the Khalsa College Sirds would come in two DTC buses. I've seen bloody, okay that's your generation, in, one, in my generation none of that happened. I thought both of it you were from the same generation. Bichara <laughs> thinking wise. So, uh, in my generation frankly, in Delhi University, they did not have this kind of violence. There was sporadic incidents, Somebody, some girl from my class got shot at by a jilted lover in the 
turn and would you know be so for example billa ranga i don't know whether you remember, remember that, oh, yeah. that, that thing you that see? was the horror story I mean, you wrote that went on for months in a year one but incident. there were in, incidents in our time also when the students would take over the vice chancellor's office and all that yeah dharna and all that wo to chacha yeah um, manisha what do you want to go with next year on spoken you uh, before this were arguing with me and saying that just such a bigoted jerk go to hell which i just thought was just kind of can we say jerk oh, okay. <laughs> okay you can say worse ah, okay. what were you arguing about आप लोग इन महिलाओं की बात मत मानिए I viewed it as a piece talking about how difficult it is to start having conversations about Islam and fundamentalism in Islam and the uh, the fear uh, in many people in Europe for not being able to call it out because you'd be labeled an Islamophobe. Uh the piece is called How did we end up here? And Abhinandan thought and Abhinandan and a lot of other people Guardian has a piece, Kroll had a piece talking about how Charlie Hebdo has made every muslim complicit to the brussels bombing or to terrorism okay so right right i um hmm. you were saying that it was it was islamophobe and racist and bigoted i, I thought it was positive. i just thought that he was um, and i have said this earlier i've written a piece on it the link of which you can find below i think islam has a real problem and uh, we shouldn't pretend that there is no islamic problem there is an islamic problem there are way too many countries the majority of whose population believes in sharia there are way too many people i think again i keep quoting him bill maher on his show had shared the statistics on 300 million who think who are not completely opposed to isis you know the, these aren't small numbers they are big enough numbers to move the trend in that direction but this particular case kind of put the woman who's wearing a hijab as somehow supporting the terrorist i think the connection he made was completely Uh, what what um, uh, not he uh, uh, Charlie Hebdo the connection it made was completely bigoted it was Islamophobe and it deserved to be condemned but not by Teju Cole who again <laughs> is dude he just kind of came so, to the condemnation. So but I I think that I don't think that they were talking about I don't think the piece ever says that this Muslim this it was otherwise your bonus is cancelled. I'm really surprised <laughs> you find like Bilmar nice and you found this eloquent piece not bigoted and you think I think Bilmar th- is more like I don't know. He's talking to his foul mouth, but this piece was big hit. Sorry, Deepanjana. Two things. One is that um, I have uh, I have enormous reservations with thinking that there's a problem with Islam as a religion. Um, I think it's worth keeping in mind that there's a lot of disenfranchised people who are Muslims, particularly when you look at uh, Europe and the rise of ISIS. I don't think it would have happened if there wasn't uh, the continuous racist 
policies in places like Brussels and France that ghettoized certain communities. But, but you know, this is like hypothesis. So you're as valid as I am because we don't really have any way of proving this. So far as the Charlie Hebdo editorial is concerned, there is one line which I think clinches it. They talk about the baker, they talk about this veiled woman. There are all of these everyday examples which they are uh, ostensibly taking a lot of uh, effort to say that these are all innocent people. Except, then they write, none of what is about to happen in the airport or metro of Brussels can really happen without everyone's contribution. Yeah. And immediately what you've done is said that your everyday person, just by virtue of being Muslim, is contributing to a terror plot. Yeah. That's I not agree. That's it. And I don't think they were trying to say they're innocent. I think there was a definite element of sarcasm there. Uh, no, no, I think I think, the, I think it's an elaborate uh, setup that you know, innocent, innocent, innocent. But hey, not really. I, you know, if you know what Charlie Hebdo is about, I really don't think you can accuse them of bigotry or racism. But also timing, right? Because now. no, because oh, I think you can. No, they've had supremely secular. I mean, their idea of secularism is very different. No, but what, what I think they're trying to do is. They're trying to talk about the fact that you have to start asking questions of the community. You can't say that these five bombers are and the religion as a whole or practitioners of need not think about what's happening. Which is fine, so but that is not what they are saying. They are talking about specifics and what you said that you can see, I agree, you cannot call them bigoted. And this is again a tendency, and I think it's a very Desi tendency, an Indian tendency, that look, what he... Dekho, beta, sinko Hindi mein kehte sinko? The piece is bigoted. I'm not saying Charlie Hebdo as an institution is bigoted. I'm not that saying, piece I'm is saying that if you so, know where they're coming so from, I'm, it would be very difficult to view this because... I'm a very secular person, but I say bigoted shit sometimes, yeah. I mean, it is ridiculous to think that because no, a person has... you are different from a newspaper, no? But where, even if I were to write... that has an editorial suppose, policy that has a certain line of thinking, years of... Sure, but you know, still, you a secular person is capable of saying something bigoted. I don't think that is. They a may defense. be capable, but if you read it in the context of what they have. Okay, been, next we are talking too much. Has everyone read this piece? I was just going to say you both have your point of view. Yeah. Rest. Has everyone read this piece? Which one? This one that we're talking about. How no. did we end up here? Okay. Do read it. I think it's also uh, my concern with the piece. A little bit is also timing, because right now Europe is uh, talking about refugees and these people and our land and these people doing their shit in our land. We don't have moss and we don't want to, you know, they look a certain way. So xenophobia is something that needs, it's, it's a demon that needs constant feeding. Mm. And not everybody reads everything on the internet with nuance and history and context. I will just see the headline and take a call, you know, they read it in very short attention span. So it's not everybody will spend like men, some of us do, you know, spend time thinking of nuance. They will just read it. And say, yeah, correct. I, I told hmm. I don't, Mr. They just, Brown. So that's, that's validation. I told yeah. so and so. See, I told you that Muhammad fellow. So it's how opinions are very quickly made, especially in an area right now where the Brown influx and the Muslim Brown influx is huge. But Six, Kamna, don't you think that I'm seeing increasingly instead of opinions being made by what you read, you are actually looking for something that reinforces what you correct. already feel. Exactly. So if somebody, if you're reading something, you want you're looking for the material. That you already Absolutely. believe that you're against immigration into your European yeah. country so or whatever, and somebody's writing a, yeah. for it. You like it. You say this is good, and if you're and if uh, that's the point. Yeah. That I, I I think how much is journalism actually informing enough to influence 
where is the power of the word going, yeah. I think is decreasing more and more because people are becoming more entrenched in their positions before they even have all the yeah. information. And I think another, sorry. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just a couple of points. I, <clears throat> I think Manisha has... A, uh, you know, a valid point. Valid point. <laughs> Just about. Mm. Sorry to disappoint you, Abhinandan. Mm. You you write about five percent of the time anyway. All the time. So, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we, we are uh, we are being critical of Charlie Hebdo. Mm. Keep a keep Manisha's uh, uh, thesis in mind, and B. Not very long ago, uh, we had Tunku Vardarajan, mm. who's a very prominent. Uh, op-ed, right, mm. opinion and his Off voice Indian carries Express. weight, yeah. Mm. He wrote uh, an astonishing piece in where he said that 15 or 16 year old Syrian refugees should be handed a brochure the moment they land in Europe mm. and the brochure should have these conditions and one of them should be that I will not commit jihad. This is what... That was his suggestion. This is his suggestion. In jest or hmm? in... Uh, in <laughs> he's being cynical and... No, he was, not he, or? he was absolutely serious. So, so, you know, we... Are you saying that's okay I don't or no? <laughs> checking. <laughs> but I mean to... <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, I think Manish, uh, the piece Manisha is defending was closer to Tunku's piece. That's what No, I'm it saying. wasn't. No, but I mean, you see, we don't consider Tunku as rebellious in terms of this thing as Charlie Hebdo. Yeah. No, Tunku can so, be very erratic, let me tell you. He's a friend, but he's, he can come off with really off-the-wall uh, articles, mm -hmm. which, which very often, which I think uh, I call the NRI syndrome, when they don't know, they're out of touch with India, uh, but their USP is writing about India while living there. And some of the things that I've seen written are completely not getting what is happening here. Well, it doesn't run in the family, you think. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, you know, to come back briefly to yeah, the, one thing what, before you what, say what that, said, the, I hmm. don't think Belgium, uh, you know, is uh, racist uh, towards the uh, you know it's the Muslim. Hugely, that neighborhood has been enormously deprived. I think, uh, I think it's because of the. I don't think it's a state-sponsored. You know what I no, mean? Is it so xenophobia not, or racism? There's so a, what distinction? Uh, so you know, there are pockets in England, for example, sure. or you know, where you would find. That you know, uh, racism is prospering. That's probably because there are no of pockets in England. England is racist. <laughs> is racist. I mean, in every country, as it gets its right influx now. of Im immigrants and they feel threatened in any form, especially the lower income groups, Jobs. the racism begins. Um, I just like to make a brief announcement that when we are talking about a piece, and those of you are wondering, let me get context so that even I can partake in the discussion about the piece. The links for the pieces that we refer to or we're talking about are below. But they are not available on the SoundCloud page. News Laundry Podcasts and the Hafta are also available on SoundCloud. However, SoundCloud does not allow us to post the links. So to see the links of what we're talking about, you're going to have to come onto the News Laundry page, click on the link and enjoy the Hafta from there. Uh, please carry on. Uh, Anand, uh, so let's just move on to another subject quickly. Uh, and the last one after that, please keep your uh, minds ready for suggestions for our listeners. There is this uh, Raghav Chopra uh, uh, tweeted a picture of Modi touching the feet of the Saudi king. Yes. And then a, a, a complaint has been filed by the BJP. Uh, BJP IT cell, is that right? Cyber cell. Cyber cell. So, uh, who is the this thing too? The, and he's apologized, I'm sorry I hurt anyone's feelings. A, in the beginning, I thought it was something that he had photoshopped more as a report. Then later I found he was trying to you know, be cool and funny and cocky and it's like, and for a spoof now they are filing a case. Uh, Anand, your thoughts and what yeah, is it? Because I'm still uh, a little vague about this one. Yeah, so I, I think what he tweeted was that uh, 
oh, is this is this for real? Or I mean, they were like, you know, the, the tweet had two sentences and both of them ended in a question, hmm. question mark. And it was, uh, you know, Modi touching. Uh, in reality, he was actually touching Advani's feet. Hmm. Yeah, now he's touching picture. the, yeah, yeah, so I don't know which one is worse, but anyway. <laughs> But, but a very obviously Photoshop. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, and who so, did the photocopy? I mean, Photoshop, you know, whose original so, work is that? I mean, I, I found, I immediately, I mean, it was an obvious Photoshop. Hmm. Plus, I found it black humor, you can call it, or very darkly sarcastic, perhaps not funny to some. Hmm. But it is outrageous for, I mean, the channel that, uh, uh, you know, he works for hmm. to uh, a, uh, actually force him to carry an apology. And to apologize on its own. So channel, I mean, the I channel apologized. Yes, the yeah. channel also. They made him remove twice. the link. And yes, we yeah. have. It has come to our notice. This is this. It was, you know, without our thing, and we apologize for it. They were apologizing for one of their employees having put out a tweet in his on private his space on his private channel. That handle was his own. It wasn't like an official. Yeah. Nothing to do with the official thing. It hmm. doesn't even carry like you know all the Times of India journalists have this TOI. Yeah. Yeah. This one doesn't have because it's mandate. Yeah. yeah, they have to do it. They yeah. have to do it. And yeah. uh, it's just absolutely atrocious. And were, I mean, the irony is that it's BJP that has launched the the FIR. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at all the is there an FIR? But no, I mean, there's, uh, a, no, there's no, a complaint. I, I, the FIR is I yet to be, yet to be uh, registered. Whatever, the complaint. Or so, what, uh, what I found very interesting about this case, one is that the BJP, for me, are the patron saint of bad Photoshop. So, if anyone should have appreciated this, it should have been them. <laughs> but uh, more importantly, I think what you, we see with this filing of a complaint is a really... Um, it's basically a strategy to scare people. Yeah. There isn't an actual FIR that has been lodged so far, which is not to say that it won't go on to be lodged. Um, it is supposed to be a scare tactic. And I think in that sense, it is very effective as a scare tactic because we we see bjp cyber cell filed a complaint and the you ministers jumped in there so. are you know there are names with blue ticks that are getting involved in this and it all just feels very scary when the fact of the matter is it's a complaint hmm. that's it this is not that to serious um, the bjp has filed uh, the so it's against, filed it's against this user to this who? individual to the cyber cell there's a written of complaint the delhi police saying that uh, it's defamation of no, they have filed a complaint yeah, to the Cyber Cell of, of, Delhi, of police. the Delhi Police. Yeah. I see. Okay. So yeah. it's a police complaint. It's well, a police complaint, but it hasn't gone into a place where we need to So it was worry a bad joke which they have taken exception to. So now yeah. jokes are legal. Well, no, also I think you have to take it in context with a lot of people do not know what Photoshop is. Yeah. All right. A lot of people don't know even uh, how um, you can put somebody else's words on somebody else's footage, hmm. you know, coming out of his mouth. You, a lot of people don't know that. And because... You know, the PIB knows it. Certainly. But they're not on Twitter. But those people one. are really Clark not Kassar. in, Kassar. Kassar. in Kassar. that sense. So I think in that sense, I think not because it's Modi or because it's anyone in particular. What I think is that when such a kind of Photoshop thing is created of anybody, uh, I think it's offensive. I do find it offensive. Is it criminal? No, of course not. Sure. But I think that it's offensive hmm. and, um, and it's dangerous in the sense that there are people who believe all kinds of things. And that's what, like, I wouldn't like to see um, this kind of thing becoming a legit... And I don't take it, take it personally about BJP doing a scare tactic, as Dipanjana said. I don't agree well, with that. Well, has lodged a lot of cases. Many times. In Bombay, yeah. it's not, not just BJP. Yes. And Congress yeah. has also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mamta has done scare tactics. Mamta's are scare tactics. Uh, but in this particular case, I don't think it's a scare tactic. It's, it's just basically 
a silly thing somebody has done. But for now, done. they could have asked him, the process would be to a show cause notice, take it down, you know. So there is a process set even in law. So which he's already preempted and his companies made him do it or he's done it himself. That thing doesn't exist. He's apologized. But he's been retweeted so many times. Yeah, that's what the cyber space is, hmm. right? Taking it down does not mean it goes away. Yeah. No, there's a case somewhere, right. someone no, saved it. It's really it. bullying because, you know, it the, is bullying. the buzz in Delhi is the BJP chief. And I'm sure he was he the does. one who tweeted that, yeah. you know, thing with the, the letter, the complaint. Yeah. And then uh, RC, Raghav Chopra, he not, he's not only apologized to general public, he apologized to buzz in Delhi as well. Absolutely. And then the reply was, now it's too late or something. You know, I'm like, taking it a choose. Uh, you know, so, it's, so just, it's very... It's just sad because, okay, you don't like a joke. Uh, all right, fine. But, you know, it's not... Uh, Hmm. It's a very There's dangerous thing. There's no need thing. to bully someone because you don't like a joke. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I question whether it's a joke. I think it's a misleading. It's really a misleading fact that you put somebody else's picture on somebody else. This one was a very... I thought it was a joke. No, you know, but this because they're two recognized faces. But they know what it is. It's you not misleading. Some people are so dumb, they say, Dekha tumne clothesline no, It's not misleading. Let me also say, you see, I mean, there's this thing with sarcasm. The moment you point out that you're being sarcastic. It's lost, yeah. It's yeah. lost. I mean, the, the, the joke's you, over. The joke is on you because yeah. you're dumb. You know, you, you like... You weren't good enough at the joke, yeah. You're a fail comic. So, and you know, he, he... I mean, there were like two questions in there. Yeah. Is this really happening? It was It was just a stupid dark. joke, yes. I mean... Okay, uh, on that note... Stupid joke. Uh, let's please suggest to our listeners what will enrich their life. Something that you read <laughs> or wrote uh, that you'd like to suggest to everybody. Madhu, you want to go first? Well, I read an article by Maya Angelou, Angelou about uh, freedom, mm -hmm. freedom of speech and what freedom means. And I think in the context that India is always in, I think it's extremely relevant. Okay, that's one. Uh, Karuna says no. Read News Laundry for the best. For the okay. best. Yeah, so just read all this More stuff. More coming. Yeah. I've been following a bit of Donald Trump. I find that very entertaining. That's very entertaining. I have two recommendations. One is actually from News Laundry. We, uh, we carried, I think, what was a very good story on uh, the Barmer rape case. Hmm. Um, potential rape case called Death of a Dalit Teen. And it is a really well-reported story. Uh, I would encourage you to read it. Um, it's a very tragic story, but you know, that's no reason to not read it. What I have also been enjoying, and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything uh, of the contemporary era, is a biography of an Egyptian empress called Hatshepsut. And <laughs> I'm just so proud that I can say this because I bought the book because I didn't know how to exp you know, pronounce her name. Uh, but it's actually a fascinating um, biography of hers called The Woman Who Would Be King. She was one of the first women pharaohs of Egypt and mm. ruled for 20 years, extremely prosperous time for uh, Egypt, lots of development, completely forgotten as far as the later uh, stories are concerned because there's none of the scandal that comes with a Cleopatra or mm. a, you know, one of those uh, bad queens. Um, this was before or after the Tahrir Square thing? Oh. <laughs> this is the verbal version of a bad joke. <laughs> Uh, since Anand has opened the door to bad jokes, <laughs> oh. let's shut it again. Complain for cyber cell. Cleopatra. I was wondering if she related to Samit Patra. Oh my god. Wow. Sekri. Manisha. Okay, on the Panama leaks, uh, check Samit out. Samit Patra will say you're not being fair to me. <laughs> An innocent young boy. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, on the Panama Leaks, uh, check out Vox's animation of Panama Leaks as explained to a five-year-old. It's brilliant. I finally got it after seeing <laughs> it. I was like, okay, that's what it's about. And if you still don't get it, then watch a former porn star explain Panama Leaks. A former porn star? Yeah. With uh, porn his actress, clothes on? And there, he has a on. shell company called Cock and Pull. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What a story. Check Where is this? <laughs> We put a link below. We'll put a link. Yeah. And it's legal uh, to put that link, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very... Uh, it's, yeah. Non-porn. Kids can watch it. Porn is not illegal. It's a non-porn, huh? <laughs> porn is not illegal. Huh, that's true. <coughs> For a while, more. Is this really is... The great thing about yeah. Panama Leaks is that so many people have come out explaining it on Reddit, on, you know, all these new media websites, and it's just made the story so much more fun. I, I think if it was just papers, it would be just <laughs> She's just enjoying the aftermath. <laughs> the techniques of yeah. how it's explained. How Tell me the story. <laughs> and... Yeah, and also um, a really nice long read in the New Yorker called um, it's called the Warriors Motel. It's by Gay Tillies. Um This is a story about a journalist who was contacted in 1980 uh, by a man who had bought a motel, and uh, just so that he could view people in it have sex. He uh, took 12 rooms in it, and he made a. On top of the rooms, he made this attic completely soundproof or whatever, so that he doesn't get caught. And this journalist was in the know till about this year. And he signed a confidentiality contract with this guy, saying that I'm not going to expose you. And this guy, uh, the guy who owned the motel was kind of sort of delusional. He thought he was this great sex researcher and he used to take notes every day. He never videographed anyone. So When's the book out? <laughs> there is a book, there's a book. So there's a book that's also... I'll wait for the movie. <laughs> No, but it raises like, I don't know if as a journalist It raises questions. <laughs> oh, oh, stop. Okay. Please read it. It's really Lagan, whatever his speech is. But yeah, like what if somebody like that was to contact you and say, hey, I have this story. It's a great story, but then you're also dealing with this man who's violating people's privacy over 30 years. Mm. Uh, it reminds me of that documentary that uh, I literally just looked up so that I could remember the guy's name. Only Timonair had made a documentary called We Live in Public, mm. where he'd got a bunch of people to literally do that. He was Big Brother and they were going to stay in this space together, be watched 24-7. Salman Khan doesn't know Sunni TV, whatever Big Boss. And team, he used to yeah. make notes and, you know, over years he, he thought it was like this sociological project. So he'd make notes like there are more mixed couples now. Now there are more lesbian couples coming to my motel. So this has changed over 60s, 70s. So I think it's a great story. It's really, it's, it's brilliantly written by Gaitalis. He's just a brilliant writer. Hmm. Uh, read it. Anand? No, I mean, you know, pan, on the subject of Panama, it always reminds me of, uh, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest engineering feats by man was to, you know, split the continents, North America and South America. Hmm. You know, so the Panama Canal, Canal. so the ship can go from the east to the west. Otherwise, you have to travel thousands of miles to circumvent the South American thing, you know. So that, but I mean, on on the, uh, on recommendation, I I don't know whether I can recommend this or not, but I I read something very disturbing, which is that in a week's time, someone in JNU is going to burn Manusmriti. I I found that very disturbing. They did burn it. But isn't that no, good? Have they already of course, done? yes, there were pictures of them. Sorry, maybe they've already... <laughs> ABVP, a fraction of ago, it. They were all got together and they burned okay. the Manusmriti. Uh, no, so no, no. Gandhiji said burn it, he didn't like it either. Yeah, the, the whole point is, I mean, I, I, I was about to add to that, that perhaps the only thing wrong hmm. in Dr. A that I find was burning of a book. That's what I was going to say, I don't like burning any yeah. book. Dr. A? Dr. Ambedkar. It's cool now. Manusmriti should be burned, destroyed. 
Saraswati Dayanand and um, Swami Vivekanand had already in their actions of reformation burned the Manusmriti without actually physically burning it. Hmm. Um, I would like to recommend something closer home. Um, I think Srinivasan Jain's uh, Truth vs. Hype, his, his piece on Chhattisgarh's crackdown on journalists was very important. And I wish more journalists had done that. And I was, um, and this is third time actually I'm recommending one of Vasu's uh, reports or shows. I think we need more shows like that. I, I wish every channel had one journalist who they assigned to do half our important stories. I remember the one he did on Colgate was the only really good one on Colgate where he pretty much had like kicked the UPA's ass. Uh, this one was so telling and it was an important one and I was disappointed not more people did it. And like Madhu said, I really enjoyed the coverage of the US elections. I think it is a riot. It is so much fun. So on that note... So uh, just like John Stewart sent uh, Jason, whatever his name is, to cover the Indian elections hmm. and uh, introduced it by saying, we want you to watch Jason's coverage of the Indian elections of this adorable country. Hmm. Oh yes, so cute and patronizing. <laughs> so now we are watching the elections of the most adorable country, the United States. Or as Raj Kumar said in Vakt, Chinoy said, Jo log shishe ghar mein rehte na, unke sofa covers bade faded hote hain. Okay. So, everyone uh, want to say bye or add anything else before we say bye? Bye bye. bye. Okay, bye. 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 And today's song goes out to all our viewers. We need you to help us, support us, and make independent media grow because only then can we serve the public. So, this is for you, our wonderful listeners, viewers. Bye bye. See you next week. Catch all new episodes of NL Hafta on NewsDonry.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook.